0: What I love most about mi gente, is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesitas, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the My Cultura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com.
1: This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one.
0: Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them.
1: This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From
0: thecustardtv.com.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the Cluster TV podcast. As ever, if you hear my voice first, you know that Luke's off. Unfortunately, he's got a bit of a cold and has lost his voice, which, you know, is a good thing in some ways, but it means he can't (laughs) join us on the podcast. Uh, Joining me today is a voice that you will be familiar with, but she hasn't joined us uh, for a while now. I think it was last summer you were last on. Uh, It's Sophie Davis. How are you, Sophie?
2: hello i'm good thanks yeah i think it was the desert island comedies we were talking about last time which feels quite recent but yeah it was Mm. probably last summer wasn't it
1: it was sort of mid mid lockdown one um pre-lockdown two or one of the lockdowns
2: yeah who knows we've (laughs) lost all track of time it could have been five years ago or it could have been a month ago
1: Yeah, everything sort of post-March 2020 is sort of, oh, was that like a week ago? No, it was two months ago. And you just, yeah, it's sort of time has gone sort of more wibbly-wobbly, to use a Doctor Who phrase. Yeah, Um, definitely. Now, I I thought we'd start by just having a general chat about things we're watching on the TV at the moment. Now, I don't know if you've had a lot of time to watch stuff because you've just moved, haven't you? I mean, have you you been keeping up with things or is there anything that you've particularly enjoyed recently?
2: well i've i finally got around to watching squid game over the last few days um and like you said i've been quite busy recently so I I knew I wanted to watch it but I I heard that the subtitles were the way to go rather than the dub and I was thinking you know if I'm watching something with subtitles I want to really give it my full attention, I don't want to be multitasking while watching it so I finally started it a few days ago and I got to episode 6 last night which has absolutely broken me, Um, have you watched it already?
1: I've only watched the first episode we covered it on the podcast I am going to go back to it but it just it feels like something that's going to stress me out a lot and I want to sort of just yeah. be prepared for it a bit I watched they they watched another one on Gogglebox I believe the one where they were playing tug of war that's the only other bit that I've seen um, right, and yeah, okay. I just feel like it's going to stress me out quite a lot if I if I'm not in the right mood for it.
2: Yeah, sorry, I, I must have missed that episode of the podcast. But I've, I've seen, I think I've seen Luke say it on Twitter that he wasn't a fan of the first mm. episode. But and I think I would recommend carrying on because the first episode really throws you into it. And then the second episode, it definitely takes a step back and it gives you a lot more insight into various characters. And it's not just about that one guy, you know, mm. it's about a selection of the players and you really get to know, you know, what has led them, To joining the game at that point in their lives and it is quite character driven because you know obviously I've heard people talking about it a lot over the last few weeks like online and even people in work have been talking about it because it's such a massive hit and from what I'd heard I was expecting it to be really kind of full-on like violent action gore sort of thing, but it's not at all really. You know, obviously there is some of that, but it is it is also like quite emotional. Some episodes are pretty much just people talking. Episode six, which I mentioned I watched last night, is one of the most emotional episodes of any TV show I've ever right. seen, I think. Me and my boyfriend were both close to tears. And that's quite unusual, cause obviously, it's a life and death situation. And it's not just, you know, people fighting each other to the death. It's like, you have to sometimes play against people who you have become fond of. And you know that you know, half of the characters are gonna die, and the, the the characters who are not necessarily the nicest ones are gonna possibly win. And it's very it's very tough to watch. Like you said, it's a stressful watch. You probably have to be in the right mood, but I would dec- definitely recommend it because I think it's probably one of my top shows of the year. Right.
1: Yeah, because you you're right. A lot of people have been talking about it, and and I'm the same. A lot of people at work. It's one of those sort of word of mouth things, isn't it, where mm-hmm. someone said something about it or, as I say, it's been on Gogglebox a couple of times. So people have checked right. it out. But people who sort of, you know, aren't watching everything like, like myself and Luke do are seem to be the ones sort of checking it out. And partly, I suppose it's like the Netflix effect, because I think after Netflix says it's the most watched show, everyone then started watching it. Uh, And it's very
2: unusual because it's, I mean, it's a Korean show and it feels Mm -hmm. weird that it's taken off to that extent. Um, It's good. It might make people a bit more open minded about watching things from different countries in the future. Um, But yeah, I've been watching it with the subtitles. We tried watching a little bit with the dub just to kind of test it out. And it just feels a bit weird, to be honest, watching them with like American
1: accents. Mm. I feel like a lot of people that I know that have watched it on the dub. um, I know Luke mentioned... Yeah,
2: that's automatic. Yeah, because it automatically comes up as the dub. And I guess a lot of people don't realise that you can change it.
1: Right. And I know Luke mentioned he went into the dub because he found the main guy in the first episode he found his voice so whiny that he <laughs> in 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 the native korean uh, that he he had to, he felt like he had to go to the dub which is a bit odd and and especially for luke who will always sort of watch stuff with the subtitles if he can rather than than having it dubbed a- anything else that's yeah. caught your eye any any sort of comedies at all because i know you're a, a big sort of champion of of comedies aren't you anything in that genre
2: Um, I've been enjoying the new series of Staff Let's Flats, which came out recently. Um, It feels a little bit different. It's got a different director this time. And it feels, I don't know, there's some indifferent feeling about it, but I am really enjoying it still. Um, And I've also been watching Succession weekly as it comes out. Yeah. yeah, have you been watching he, Succession?
1: I, I have, and actually, um, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I've gone a bit because we got some preview copies from HBO, so I've gone a bit oh. um, ahead of the, uh, the, the what's been on already. But what are your what are your feelings on on season three so far? Because this was something me and Luke were going to discuss. So, what are your feelings so far on it?
2: Oh, I'm loving it. There's only there's only been two so far, hasn't yeah. there? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. I'm finding it more funny than usual because it's always been quite funny. But I think now that we all really know the characters, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of laugh-out-loud moments and they've all really sort of fully, like immerse themselves in those characters now like kieran culkin walks into a scene and i'm already like sort of chuckling just because of his mannerisms yeah. and stuff um yeah i'm really enjoying it and so far I'm who, to the next who
1: knew matthew mcfade is it fadian was that funny yeah. when you saw him in all those period dramas and in spooks that he had sort of so that good sort of comic timing i mean yeah um, I, I love the, the the sort of the double act he has with Greg, which, I, you know, unfortunately is, is lessened a little bit due to their sort of storylines in, in this episode and sort of where their loyalties lie to an extent. Um, but I, I really, in this second episode, love the thing with the four siblings. I thought that was really mm-hmm. well done. That sort of, you know, are they all going to join him and, and and their sort of the decisions not to? I thought it's it's the combination, I think, of that sort of well written sort of tense drama that emotional core the chemistry that they those four actors all have with each other that you can believe you know that they that they are siblings and sort of the the decisions the characters make all make sense as as we said last time you can sort of understand why they're all like how they are when you see their relationship with logan you know how he sort of plays with their emotions and and is towards them and builds their expectations up and then knocks them down. I, I I feel that that's really well done.
2: Yeah, they're all completely different when they're talking to their dad, aren't they? I love that moment in the first episode where um, uh, Roman is doing that phone call to Logan and he kind of becomes like a little boy and then he, his dad puts the phone down and he's just like, Roman's out. <laughs> it's mm. so brutal. But again, he's such like, a confident person when he's with his siblings and when he's with other people and when he's talking to his dad he's just like a little helpless boy.
1: And that, and that's how and I think the way that, that they've sort of turned the character of Shiv to an extent as well because obviously she was sort of on the outside of the family business in the first season and then has sort of become entrenched in it and has almost become a bit colder uh, as to an extent and then has been given this promotion at the end of the second episode as well and and sort of how that might change it going forward as well and I think Sarah Snook and Jeremy Strong to me are the, are the two best performers in it I don't know I mean you you're a big Kieran Culkin fan and um, by the sounds of things
2: yeah I just find him hilarious mm. um but yeah Shiv is an interesting character because Yeah, technically, if she was really a moral person, she should go with Kendall, really, shouldn't she? Mm. But when it actually comes down to it, she's going to go with Daddy and get the promotion rather than actually doing the more moral thing and trying to clean up the company.
1: And And the clever thing that someone pointed out on Twitter that I hadn't noticed at the time was that they had Shiv dressed very similar to Kendall throughout. until that final scene when she was dressed like logan because she was wearing like this white blouse and he was wearing a white shirt and then she was all sort of suited up in the in the last scene and apparently as well they dress greg and tom quite similarly in a lot of scenes which is something i hadn't noticed at all but um it's it it is one of those shows that uh, you know the devil's in the detail and i was a little bit down on the first episode i felt it, it was almost sort of coasting a little bit but the second episode it really drew me in and those scenes with the siblings I found really really powerful so um and, and I can say that this series again it sort of does go from strength to strength there's a very good um Adrian Brody appearance in the fourth episode um I will right. say no more than that um because I'll probably get shouted that um but yeah the, the shows we'll be covering today on the podcast we've got three we've got the new uh big i suppose comedy drama uh, from Stephen merchant which uh, debuted last monday that's the outlaws we've got uh, bbc one's new big uh, sunday night drama uh show trial and we have got the return of uh, what we do in the shadows which was on my uh, list of the top 10 comedies if you remember back from mm-hmm. uh, from last summer um should we start with the outlaws
2: yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, okay. So this is, as I said, from Stephen Merchant. Uh, it face it uh, focuses on a group of uh, seven disparate characters who are all uh, doing community service in Bristol. Uh, they're sort of tasked with cleaning up this abandoned building, and I believe con- turning it into a community centre. I mean. The, this first episode focuses on on sort of two or three of the characters. We meet Rani, who's this uh, sort of academic girl who's been quite um, her parents have been overbearing. She's sort of not got much of a social life. Uh, this has sort of led her to be sort of a prolific shoplifter. Um, she finally gets caught in the opening scene of the of the uh, of the episode. She gets chased around a shopping center. Um, in quite an elaborate opening scene. Uh, So she um, gets community service as a result of of this shoplifting being revealed. Uh, She meets this sort of colourful band of characters that we've got here. We've got Christopher Walken playing Frank, who's this con man. Um, He's sort of forged checks, and that's why he's been in prison. He comes out to his daughter's house. Um, He's on an electronic tag. She's very cynical of him being there. He's not been there for her uh, very much growing up. Uh, We've got uh, Darren Boyd as John, who's this businessman who's trying to clinch a deal uh, with this Chinese firm uh, so his family firm doesn't go under. Stephen Merchant, who plays a character called Greg. Uh, We've got this socialite Instagram influencer character, Gabby, who's played by Eleanor Tomlinson. Uh, We've got Claire Perkins as Myrna, who's this, like, ageing hippie almost. And then finally, we've got Christian, who's this sort of bad... Boy from the wrong side of the tracks, who's involved in gang activity, um, who sort of Ronnie becomes fond of. She's sort of almost drawn into his world to an extent uh, when he's sort of almost blackmailed into doing this job for the gang because they almost trying to uh, recruit his sister into their into their organisation. And it sort of ends with him having this large amount of money that he uh, hides in the in the building that they're trying to sort of uh, make over in their community service. Uh, so what did you make of this then, Sophie?
2: So I watched the first two of these on iPlayer and I liked it overall. Um, I was a bit on the fence about the tone in episode one because... For me, that was quite a stark contrast between the community service scenes being very silly and very much played for laughs and then the scenes where the characters are not at community service, they were more like something out of a drama. And it was a bit odd for me in episode one, but I decided to go for episode two because, you know, I love Stephen Merchant. I thought I'll I'll give this another go. And for me, it becomes a lot better in episode two. It feels like there's less of that contrast and the comedy is more sort of naturally sprinkled in throughout. um, And also the characters become more involved in each other's lives outside of the community service for one reason or another. Um, So it isn't just them kind of meeting up, cleaning a building and bickering with each other, which is what it kind of is in episode one. Um, They become a bit more intertwined. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you mentioned before that Rani and Christian are kind of talking about his younger sister um rani gets involved in like trying to help her out a bit with her exams and that sort of thing trying to sort of get her away from joining this gang potentially things also sort of happen with the large amount of money as well in the community center as i'm sure you can probably guess someone finds it yeah, um so that was in
1: the trailer quite a lot as right. well i think they sort of spoiled that already in the trailer.
2: And yeah, it's um, it's odd seeing Christopher Walken just sort of wandering around Bristol. Um, <laughs> but I do think he does suit this role of a kind of, like eccentric granddad who's come out of jail and there's a, pl- a plot in episode two where he's like helping his grandson to impress a girl by throwing a cool party and I I, re- I like that use of Christopher Walken to be honest I think that's the sort of thing he should be doing I also prefer it as well when it goes into Stephen Merchant's character a bit more because in episode one he felt a bit of an outlier to me mm. and we didn't really know that much about him he seemed to be just kind of there to deliver a lot of the funniest lines but episode two you get to know a bit more about him and about the socialite character as well
1: right yeah because I I have only watched the first episode and I yeah. have felt how you said the imbalance in tone and and those scenes where they're all together and you know you've got the the sort of the bumbling will she be a probation officer or just in 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 sort of in charge of the Jess gunning character yeah the, yeah community payback supervisor and she's very i found her very cliched she thinks she's in control of, of these of this group but she's really not you know i i liked the scenes where you saw them out of the out of the community service so if you're saying that you get more of those then i i might be encouraged to continue because i thought the the quieter scenes with um christian and with rani i found a little bit easier to to yeah sort of digest and and i think her storyline was quite interesting that she couldn't speak to her parents about how she felt and instead she sort of acted out in a way by by stealing clothes and and things like that i mean the the bit
0: you ever heard the phrase the more things change the more things stay the same and while we love the excitement of new things it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant hey it's woman valderrama and when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com.
1: Where he's sort of doing this big job for the gang, I felt maybe was a little bit too much, a little bit cliched. It mm-hmm. felt almost like Merchant was going too much out of his comfort zone. I, I I read an interview with him where he said he was he wanted a drama with comic moments. He referenced um, an episode of The Sopranos um, mm. called Pine Barrens. I don't know if it's if that's if you've watched The Sopranos, Sophie or not, but that's sort no. of it. It's um. It's one where it's sort of all set in, they're trying to bump someone off in, in like this snow laden landscape and it all goes wrong. And I, that's his sort of inspiration. I felt it was very Coen Brothers-esque is the tone he was going for. But it, it did struggle for me in that first episode. But if you're, if you're saying the tone sort of resolves itself a little bit more... In episode two, then I, I I may continue. What what did you think of the performances from the young actors? Because they were the ones, certainly in this first episode, who was sort of the spotlight was on. Um, it was Rian Barretto as Ronnie and Gamba Cole as Christian. What what how did you feel about them?
2: Yeah, I think those two younger characters are the most compelling from what i've seen so far and yeah oddly they're the least comedic characters so maybe that's why like their storylines have got a bit more dramatic heft to them so far Um, And then the older characters are a bit more, like, comedic at this point. But, yeah, I think I quite like... I think they've got good chemistry with each other. It's kind of set up that, you know, they've never met each other before community service. They come from quite different backgrounds, but there's a little bit of a flirtation going on there. The dynamic with the sister... It's quite nice as well because she. it's set up that she's quite bright, but she's kind of starting to fall in with this gang. Obviously, her brother doesn't want that. and In episode two, he sets up a bit of a, a meeting, like a sort of revision meetup mm-hmm. between Rani and the sister. And the sister is kind of quizzing her about like, oh, you clearly fancy my brother and that sort of thing. And that's quite fun. They're, that's the thing there's a lot of characters isn't there and there's a lot to set up in episode one so perhaps that's why the community service scenes literally seem like joke 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 joke, joke and they don't all necessarily land and that's possibly what has put some people off because those scenes were a bit hard going for me
1: I, I felt there was a lot of cliche going on there and a lot of people sort of playing to the type of character you would expect them to play, like Merchant playing this sort of awkward, you know, oddball almost. uh, Darren Boyd playing, you know, this pompous uh, businessman, although you did get to see a little bit of him, you know, him stripped back in terms of wanting to do right by his father and, and do right by his family as well. But when he was in those scenes with everyone else he was very overbearing um, and Christopher Walken playing like a very Christopher Walken role as well which I suppose is is what they want from him in a way but um, yeah I, I wasn't massively into this and I did actually watch it on the TV uh, with my mum as well who did seem to enjoy it more than me her review was this is funny, but also not, which I'm not <laughs> sure is, is a good. True. Is a, and it's, it's a comedy drama and they, those are very hard to, to get right, I suppose. And I have, you know, I am a fan of merchants writing. I'm a big sort of fan of fighting with my family, the film. Have you seen that? The... No,
2: it's been on my sort of watch list for a while, mm. but I haven't got around to it. Um... I think
1: that's really good. And actually that has got some moments of, of drama that are really well done uh, between the brother and the sister in that, which you know, it has got that merchant sort of awkward comedy in there, but it felt to me it merged a lot better than this. But I suppose when you've got episodic TV, it's a little bit different, you know. As you say, there's a lot of setup to do uh, with all these characters. Some got more time than others, and I think as you go on, as you've said, that there might be more to latch onto. So, so sort of based on your recommendation, I might go on to to the second. Are you are you then going to sort of watch it on are you are you committed now to the series or
2: Yeah, I'm definitely gonna carry on. Um yeah, I think you should give episode two a try and see right. what you think. Cause um yeah, Stephen Merchant's character and then um Eleanor Tomlinson's character, they felt a bit sort of sidelined in episode one. Episode two basically starts with how they both got arrested and ended up on community service. And then mm-hmm. their stories end up being a little bit sort of linked with each other. Right. And with the other characters it, you know, goes into their situations a bit more we carry on seeing how the younger characters are interacting with each other um i think give episode two a try and i think the tone is a bit less whiplash than it is in episode
1: one um if if you want to watch this it's on i think both episodes well this will come out on tuesday so both episodes are definitely on the iplayer they did not thing where they just put episode two on the iplayer so i don't know whether they are going to yeah. do watch the next episode now do it that way because normally it's either weekly or it's all on the iPlayer maybe they're trialing something I'm not sure again if Luke yeah, was here I after, went on
2: there just expecting yeah. it to be episode one so I was surprised there was two on there I was surprised that the episodes were an hour long as well because mm. I was thinking I went into it thinking oh this is a comedy and then I was like oh no wait <laughs> the episodes are like a drama length
1: mm. yeah and I, um, I think we all thought thought that Luke Thought the same actually. um When it was first previewed, I'd assume this would be like on the sort of Friday night comedy slot after Have I Got News for You or something like that. And then when I saw Monday night at nine o'clock, it's you no, know, it's sort of comedy drama esque. Sort of a lot of people have compared this to like almost like a K. Mella sort of thing, like a Syndicate or something like that, but. <laughs> which isn't well I, d- I suppose it's how you feel about those shows but i think something pe- like certainly luke isn't a massive fan of those shows um but i think he is trying to do something a little bit darker in this so based on what you've said definitely going to give the second episode a go and and as we said certainly the first two episodes by the time you listen to this will be on iplayer possibly episode three if they're doing watch the next one i've got no idea but you know <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> um check it out for yourself We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Second show we're going to cover is show trial. Now, this is a, the new big uh, Sunday night Nine o'clock, BBC One drama. It's basically about the investigation into the disappearance of a, a student called Hannah Ellis. She's from a working-class background. Um, it starts almost by showing us the entire series, which I found a bit yeah. odd. Like, I I um... thought
2: I was watching the wrong episode at first because it <laughs> seemed like a previously on situation. <laughs> I was like, is this episode one?
1: It seemed like an odd choice. Like, here's basically everything that happens, so you almost know what is going to happen to the main character by the time episode one ends, that it is going to be a trial. So um, they investigate Hannah's disappearance. Um, her mum's like, you know, she wouldn't go missing without telling me. These police find a series of abusive text messages from a fellow student called Talitha Campbell, who is the daughter of a property developer and a 90s it girl she is very sort of estranged from her parents she doesn't want any of their help so she agrees to uh, work with the duty solicitor who is Cleo Roberts they sort of clash you know Talitha is very complacent about being arrested and feels like she'll get out quite quickly Cleo gives her advice about answering no comment in the interview which she sort of decides not to and just goes into business for herself and as it goes on the evidence comes to light that that talitha was in communication with a 'er ne'er-do-well drug dealer and then there's the discovery at the end of um hannah's body um and it becomes a a murder investigation basically in addition to sort of that main story you you meet a lot of sort of the tangential characters you've got talitha's father you've got Like the CPS prosecutors, we see a bit of Cleo's backstory that she was this promising young lawyer who spoke out against a case and has ended up working in legal aid. For me, it felt almost very much like a, a Nordic Noir because they they do a lot of this. They follow all these sort of different characters all linked to the same case.
2: Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of different characters introduced. But in this first episode, it does feel like the focus is on Talitha. And so I found myself struggling to care a little bit because she is so insufferable. You know, she's incredibly rude to the police, to her lawyer who's just trying to help her she's acting basically like the whole thing is a huge joke. She's got a bit of a kind of smarmy little grin on her face the whole time. Like she thinks she's just going to be released at any minute because she didn't do anything wrong. Uh, There's one bit where are they trying to read her her rights or something? And she starts like singing and puts her fingers in her ears.
1: It it was when they recharged her for conspiracy to murder. It was that bit where they, they had to rebook her in so they could do more of the investigation
2: from reading about the show online i i read that so it's going to explore how prejudice politics and the media distort the legal process and it says um that in this trial the prosecute the prosecution is going to be weaponizing talitha's gender and her social privilege against her and that all sounds quite interesting but it's not really a thing in episode one it's just kind of like this really loathsome (laughs) posh show girl has been arrested and we just watch her being really insufferable for an hour so when the episode finished I was kind of thinking you know do do I really want to carry on with this and Possibly not. If I see people, you know, saying on Twitter, a few episodes in, oh, actually, this has turned into something really interesting about Mm. the media and, you know, the fact that it's called show trial, you know, it sort of implies that there's going to be a bit of a media storm, uh, you know, slandering her and is the trial going to be fair? So if I hear that it becomes really interesting later on, I might go back into it. But purely based on what I saw in episode one, I don't really feel invested enough to carry on, I don't think, just no. based on her. And there's a bit of a, you know, we've mentioned before that she gets rearrested at the end of the first episode, mm. you know, actually on suspicion of murder. And I think up until that point, we've been kind of led to believe that she is probably being falsely accused because she is so nonchalant about the whole thing. Um but then there's a bit of a seed at the end of the episode that oh maybe she did do it. And I think that kind of muddies the waters a little bit as well because isn't the whole point supposed to be that it's a show trial because she's been falsely accused? Like that that might be another element to it as well like is she guilty or is she not? And I found that a little bit confusing.
1: Cuz there's another character as well isn't there? Dylan who is another sort of yeah. privileged student who Talitha's known since school his mother I believe is is she a politician is that yeah right?
2: seems to be it seems to be an MP or some, something mm, like that yeah
1: yeah and and basically their their stance is we didn't know her very well you know she was at college with us but then we see videos of them together that he's got on his phone they keep flashing back to this student ball, which is when she was last seen, that Dylan and Talitha are together and she's serving drinks, Hannah is, and and get the impression that eventually this will reveal what happened to her. I agree with you about the Talitha character. I think there's nothing that the, the writer Ben Richards does here in the first episode that makes you sympathise with her. I, I think they need to do at least something to, you know, whether it be her you know her really struggling with being locked up for so long you know she was really arsey with the uh the custody sergeant who asked her what she wanted for breakfast even yeah um there was nothing there really that made you want to sort of root for this character and as you say i think that the, the fact it's called show trial is it's going to be sort of a trial by media uh that sort of opening scene where we get Sort of highlights of the series suggested as well that Dylan is going to be up in the dock as well. I believe he was there, was he, mm. as well as her. So, um, and people wearing uh, waving justice for Hannah placards. I, I think the only sort of sympathetic character really here is is cleo I don't know how you felt about her. I I quite liked her as a character, you know, this this principled lawyer who's had to go sort of to the other side almost to sort of make ends meet. And it's sort of the one sticking up for Talitha. And and it looks like from the from the clips I've seen, the preview clips, that she's the one saying, actually, maybe she didn't do it. Don't be so quick to judge. How did you feel about that character?
2: Yeah I would have liked to have seen more of her in the first episode really because again things that I've read about the show frame it like she's like the main character so maybe if we'd sort of seen a bit more of her in the first episode that might make me want to continue a little bit more rather than focusing just on Talitha Mm. um I did I quite like that little scene where she's she's sort of having a dinner or a drink with another lawyer and saying oh I don't really want to take this case and the other lawyer is like are you joking this is a really exciting Mm. case you should definitely do it it's you know you might not have anything like it again Um, So I quite like that little aspect of it. And yeah, there's, again, like the Outlaws, there's so many characters, really, because Sinead Keenan's in it as Mm. well and didn't really have much to do in episode one.
1: I I equated almost to, like, uh, Jane Tennyson in Prime uh, Prime Suspect, you know, this really gung-ho detective, Mm -hmm. blasting through doors, standing up during the, you know, not sitting down, standing up, being very combative against Talitha, not being sympathetic to her at all saying you know you are really stuck up and and don't give me that tone you know very headmistressy. yeah her character i didn't really sort of gel with but she's she's almost the most recognizable member of this cast really isn't it's interesting that it's mostly sort of names that you don't recognize faces you don't recognize seeing as this is like the bbc's big new drama for for sunday nights um, yeah and we
2: had a little glimpse of sharon d clark as well mm. and i'm not i'm not entirely sure what her role is She's, based on what we've seen
1: she works for the cps doesn't she the right um, okay. pr- oh, prosecution oh, yeah, she, service yeah
2: Cause she was saying, yeah. like, um, oh, we really need to get this right because do you know who her dad is, that sort of thing.
1: I can't remember now if he was Scottish or Irish, the guy who sort of comes into the station and he's got a history with Cleo, I believe. His wife is heavily pregnant and he's putting oh, together. Oh, yeah. There was a lot, lot of
2: um superfluous blonde women in this because there's <laughs> his wife and there's um the liaison person who's going to see the mum. There was the other lawyer as well. There's all the sort of extra characters are all sort of blonde women and they could have been the same person, really. I had to really pay attention to who was who. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours.
1: Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. La Free design consultation. free. free, free, free. Free samples and free shipping. Free, 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 free. Free, free, free. Ho, ho, ho. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople,
2: saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals.
1: blinds.com. blinds.com. <laughs> Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I think Luke, if he was here, would would sort of point out some of the dialogue, which was a bit clunky. I saw on his Twitter that he he, um, singled out there was a line where um, they were looking at some footage of Hannah's card being used and they found this drug dealer called Troy. And someone says, Troy, that's a Brummie name, isn't it? (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, Luke. Luke singled that out and it's like really would you say that would you say a name is particularly associated with with Birmingham or um you know in the, yeah, the, then the, about that. That was odd. The, yeah. Shanae, the Shanae Keenan character then goes okay check out these connections in the West Midlands um <laughs> actually I, I had a bone of contention there because they found the card was used outside somewhere outside Cannock which actually is quite close to me in Staffordshire yet yeah, they're, they're liaising with West Midlands Police. I would have thought someone would have done their research there. One yes. of the other lines that I picked up on was um, later on when we meet Talitha's father, this property developer, who goes to see Cleo in his small high street law firm, and he says to her, I know a lot about snakes and ladders, and I can be either. I mean, what's <laughs> <Yeah>. that mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down as
1: well. Or that is you... quite odd. <laughs> It's like, what do you mean you can be a ladder? What what's that? I mean <laughs> Um, yeah, so there was a bit of clunkiness here, but I, I, I still felt it moved at a pace and I think it's it's something that we don't, you know, it's not just another there's elements there of crime drama, obviously, but it's more about children of well known figures being you know prosecuted and charged and going to trial and being in court and and how the media handles it and I know we didn't get much of that in the first episode uh, but you get the feeling that that is what it's going to be about and maybe that's why we got that sort of show reel at the beginning to show us this is what it's going to be like just bear with this sort of thing like we yeah. o- we often get with the Flash forward. I suppose this was the classic Luke flash forward in a way that we got the whole series flash forward, not just a specific scene.
2: Yeah, I, I think he I don't think he would have liked that.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, 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 he's the, o- he has the t-
2: opening gone. was almost a bit like the the opening titles almost felt a bit sort of trashy, like all like it was Gossip Girl or something. Because we're seeing it was like all these students partying, mm. and I was, I, and then it cuts into like this quite serious like neutral like police case that was quite odd as well at the very beginning
1: i mean you mentioned gossip girl i thought the performances from i mean celine buckens plays talitha and and joseph Payne plays dylan their performances felt very skins-esque to me like Mm. i'm not i'm not sure what their sort of previous experiences i know i don't think i've seen them in anything prior Um, But it felt very sort of drama school, their performances. And maybe that's sort of part of the reason why you sort of took against Talitha. I mean, she wasn't written as a particularly nice character, but I don't think there was anything in that performance either uh, that that drew you towards her or gave any sort of sympathy towards her, really.
2: Yeah, I think um, it's possibly a deliberate thing where maybe If we continue watching, we will have more sympathy for her. But if that's the case, it's quite a risky move in episode episode one to make her so unlikable. When I was reading about it, it made me think a little bit of the Amanda Knox case, and it's potentially Mm. got some comparisons with that. You know, it's like a woman has been accused of killing another woman, um, and the media is potentially going to portray her, you know, talk about maybe her sex life and that sort of thing. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how far that comparison goes. Um, And if or, that's the case, maybe just watch a really good documentary about uh, the Amanda Knox case, like what, the one that's on Netflix.
1: <laughs> I suppose also at the moment we've got on BBC Two the uh, impeachment series, the Monica Lewinsky, mm. um, Bill Clinton thing, which again is it very much focuses in on the, how the media dealt with that case and how they painted... Uh, Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp as well Um, Luke has actually got a very good article on the website about that at the moment but yeah I mean they describe it as a I've got it down here timely drama full of dark humour which I I didn't spot any dark humour in this No
2: I was thinking about this when I was watching it that I think I can only handle really sort of posh privileged people on tv if it's funny like succession Mm. like when you're laughing at them because they're so ridiculous or
1: something yeah
2: whereas i think here they're just kind of being posh and privileged and it's just kind of annoying and they Mm. don't have much personality other than just being kind of smarmy
1: yeah i mean there's been a lot of itv dramas like that recently where i struggle because they're also middle class and they're complaining about their middle-class lifestyle uh there was mm-hmm. the one with Anna Maxwell Martin and Rachel Sterling recently uh something road or street or something I can't remember it now <laughs> that, that's how that's how much it stuck with me but I, th- I think I enjoyed this maybe a little bit more than you did and, and I might give it another go just to see I, as you say you know if people are saying on twitter actually this is something that you should sort of devote your time to i believe it's five parts in total so um yeah this will be on the iplayer by the time you listen to the podcast um so yeah have, have a look and, and judge it for yourself um and we're ending today with one of my favorite comedies uh, what we do in the shadows as i said i discussed this last year when we did our, our desert island comedies together so it's actually quite good that you've joined us today it's <laughs> quite uh uh, fortuitous really because um, I remember at the time you said that you I think you were halfway through season one or something like that at the time and um, you were watching it with your other half but you're obviously all up to date with it now so I, I don't do you want to just talk about sort of your feelings on the series before we go into what we thought of the, the first ep of, of series three
2: yeah I, I love it I'm really pleased this is back because um, I, I quite enjoyed series one I really loved series two and you know, I've just I've just seen the first two of series three. I know it's already all aired in America, hasn't it? And we're just getting mm. it on iPlayer now. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm really pleased to see this back. Um, it's just so silly and joyful. It's not a kind of comedy drama. It's not a serious comedy, if that's not you know a juxtaposition. It's yeah. just really sort of all out silly. When we last saw them at the end of series two, the vampires had just sort of learned, hadn't they, that Guillermo is now this like expert vampire killer and he's been Mm. protecting them and killing other vampires basically behind their backs and they just, well, not even behind their backs, they're just oblivious to what's going on around them Um, Mm. and he's been killing all of these vampires to protect them and now in series three to start with they've basically repaid him for that by (laughs) imprisoning him in the basement (laughs) because they can't decide what to do Mm. with him and it's been a month and they still haven't decided if they're going to kill him or not
1: I suppose the the thing here is that he's actually been getting out every day yeah and you know you you follow him doing all the chores in the house and going to have a burger and then going back into his cage and he's like well you know I could just run away because they do want to kill me but I'm you know I'm still and I think that's part of the the joy of the series I think is the Guillermo character I think he he almost grounds it a little bit doesn't he because I think Mm -hmm. As you say, it is very silly, but I think it would be sillier still if he wasn't there. He's almost like the audience proxy, isn't he? He's the only main character who is a human. I don't really understand the etymology of of Colin Robinson, the, the, uh, (laughs) the energy vampire, what his deal is. Is he immortal as well? I don't know if they've ever really established that. Or I
2: think in episode two, he says that his 100th birthday is coming up. Mm. So presumably he can't live for a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's a bit more human than the vam- the other vampires are. Because yeah. yeah. I rewatched the series two finale just to remind myself of what happened. And he... Mm is like taking their clothes to the dry cleaners because Guillermo has like left them and they don't know how to clean their own clothes. And Colin Robinson does know. So he's a bit more human than the Mm. other three are. Yeah,
1: because he seems to get one episode a a season, doesn't he? Where it's sort of devoted to him and otherwise he's sort of a little bit in the background. So yeah, I mean, that first episode, as you said, is, is mainly sort of the continuation from... end of season two and then we get the the news that because all the vampire council has now died they're sort of going to be forming the vampire council aren't they in this season that seems to be the plot going forward because the second episode sort of focuses on that a bit more doesn't it
2: yeah it mixes things up a bit now that they're basically by default in charge of the vampiric council because they've killed pretty much everyone else so i think it'll be interesting to see what they get up to now and how things will change now that they've got a little bit of power because they've always been the kind of loser vampires in the area Mm. haven't they and so i like that they've sort of shaken things up a little bit although in episode two they do try to kind of exert some power over some other vampires and you can probably guess how it goes Some younger
1: (laughs) younger vampires aren't they yeah.
2: yeah, and I like how um, Kristen Charles character's back because she's now having to kind of serve them as the council. Mm. And I like how she clearly doesn't approve, but she just keeps saying like, oh, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> like, it's just her <laughs> job to serve them. And she clearly doesn't think they're worthy, but she just has to get on with it, basically.
1: And I'd forgotten about that doll as well. That is it sort of yeah. Nadia's double? Or so? I couldn't remember that episode, but she's sort of pops up as a character again now doesn't she in sort of just random scenes there's this doll version of nadia as well the the episodes you've seen are you you still enjoying it do you think it's sort of keeping up where the last season left off
2: definitely i think the cast are all great but i think matt berry just kind of steals Mm. every scene that he's in yeah in the first episode there's there's a line that i won't i won't repeat where he's talking about why he became a vampire and i had to like pause it because I was laughing so much because it's just so ridiculous mm. um and I, I love as well how with the council they all have different views on it and Laszlo basically just doesn't want any part in it he just doesn't care like no, doesn't want to do anything at all apart and that's from me quite... to
1: reading all the ancient pornography that they find
2: yeah in the library <laughs> And when they're talking about Guillermo and saying like, oh, you know, he could be dangerous. Don't look him in the eye. And Matt Barry's like, well, I never looked him in the eyes anyway, so I'm certainly (laughs) not going to start now. Just, I love how him and Nadia are so dismissive to Guillermo, even now after he's saved their lives. They barely even look at him or acknowledge him. I think laszlo keeps thinking his surname is greenberg for some reason like they don't even know what his last name is and i just i find it funny every time and it's quite sweet how nandor is a little bit more fond of him and they have a Mm. little bit more of a relationship
1: i think is it mainly colin robinson who calls him gizmo all the time as well they don't even yeah, know his first yeah. name some of the time, because um, the the last line of the last uh, season two isn't it where he says his full name and and is it Matt Berry then who says I don't care what your name is we've got no clean underwear or something like that.
2: Yeah, there was yeah there was a bit in the finale I remember that I I noticed the other day where they're um, they don't even know how to open the front door of the house when Guillermo isn't there and Matt Berry is just like Gizmo's bloody cursed the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just so good i i've watched three episodes so far and and for me i don't i i was slightly underwhelmed i have to say i think because of the quality of the last season and i think the the fact that the, the episodes that i've seen so far i think nandor and nadia are sort of the the main focus certainly of mm-hmm. two and three whereas Uh, Laszlo and and Guillermo a little bit in the background and those are the characters I think I I enjoy more as you say like the the one-liners they give Matt Berry to deliver that's his sort of speciality and it always has been you know when he's sort of when he was in Toaster London his delivery is sort of really strong you know you said it is really silly and I think it keeps up that sort of the silliness there's in episode three there's a good thread where they're um they're trying to design a website and they don't know what a <laughs> website is so it's sort of, that's the key real isn't it it's these people who've been around for centuries who are still sort of trying to deal with with modern technology and, and sort of modern sensibilities and episode two as well something we haven't mentioned is the uh, the cloak that turns <laughs> everyone into nandor and they're all trying to chat up this receptionist uh, this night <laughs> that made June. me laugh
2: so much by the time it got to the third try yeah. where he just sort of hands it to Guillermo and Laszlo hands it to him and is like look if you want to do Nando a favour pop this on and go over to Massive Fitness and shut up the receptionist <laughs> and that poor receptionist I feel so sorry for her she's had the worst night ever
1: <laughs> yeah and I think this is something that sort of has passed a lot of people by and I think it's the, she- it's the same with a lot of the fx shows that bbc2 have brought in like i know we've mentioned better things haven't we in the past where they all four seasons of of that are on the iplayer and i bet not a lot of people know that at all and things like pose as well it just doesn't get promoted very much by bbc which is a shame because it is one of the funniest comedies that, that is around at the moment and and i think more people need to check this out everyone i've recommended it to has absolutely loved it And as you said as well, I think, on on the the comedy shows we did last year, that it's great to see three British comic actors as well, isn't it, in in this sort of American show.
2: Yeah, it's very pleasing to see Kaveh Novak in something good that he (laughs) deserves finally. Um, And, yeah, that that cloak situation is very good as well because he's essentially just doing impressions of all the different characters. Um, It's really like a showcase for him. Um, and yeah, also watching Staff Let's Flats at the moment with Natasha Dimitriou in that as well. Um, I'm always pleased to see her and stuff because she's just brilliant.
1: I mean, you say that about Kyvin Novak. Did you not like Sun Trap? I mean, you know, that, <laughs> that was Bradley Walsh, wasn't it? I think.
2: Yeah, that was that's <laughs> an odd one. Yeah, it felt like British TV just didn't really know what to do do with Cave and Novak because it was kind of like a vehicle for him wasn't it like mm. he was in pretending to be different people and i guess when he was doing his own stuff like phone jack i used to love that when i was a teenager that i thought that was really funny um and then ever since then it's like british tv hasn't really known what to do with him um cuz yeah i can't imagine anything like what we do in the shadows being on British TV, you know, made that way rather than okay. made in America and then coming over here where it's just a sort of silly character sort of thing.
1: Yeah, maybe Sky would do something like that. I'm not sure. I mean, the, the, there was something he did where he's a paramedic as well, I remember. You're right, they tried to sort of plonk him after Phone Jacker and Face Jacker and, and Four Lions, he's excellent in as well, mm-hmm. um, trying to find something for him to do and, and everything just seemed like it wasn't working. So... You're right, these three really... And I think the chemistry between them, isn't it? It's like this sort of dysfunctional family, almost. These five people all living in this house together, having nothing in common, really, most of them, apart from the fact that they're all vampires (laughs) Um, and and the familiar. Um, So, yeah, so what we do in the shadows is all on iPlayer now. I believe all episodes are going up um, simultaneously. And, you know, if you haven't seen the first two seasons they're all there as well and both of us here would really recommend you check them out if if you're after a comedy this is one i think one of the best currently around so uh thanks sophie so much for for joining us um do you want to sort of have a chat about the podcasts is it podcast or podcasts that you're currently involved in
2: oh yeah sure um (laughs) yeah if anyone wants to find me on twitter i'm at it's sophie davis and uh one podcast is called smashed prawns in a milky basket and it's a podcast about the work of julia davis um who's in the new series of staff let's so i was pleased to see the other day um she's and then the other in,
1: podcast is what's it I, I was writing something a preview for the website the other day and she's oh, in yeah
2: she's a very something... british scandal yes that's it yeah. yeah she's playing I can't believe she's playing now like an aristocrat or something yeah. and then the other podcast is called it's an s pod thing and I'm basically re-watching every episode of s club seven's mad tv show that was from the late 90s slash early 2000s and a different guest joins me for each episode to just kind of analyze the weirdness of it
1: so you're up to? Did you, you said to me series three now. So is that the, is that the last one? How many did they, no. did they go up to?
2: They did four series. There's okay. over fifty episodes. Of oh this wow! Thing. <laughs> <laughs> which you wouldn't think. No, uh, I
1: do. I do remember it being on. It was like LA seven, Miami seven.
2: Yeah, was series three is Hollywood seven, right. and series four <laughs> is called Viva S Club, and they're in Barcelona for some okay. reason, which I don't remember.
1: And I, I remember that they did a movie as well. Uh, is that something you're looking to cover? Because I remember that coming out when I worked at a video rental store.
2: Yeah, that's at the very end of it all. all right.
1: that, was, uh, <laughs> that was a S1 song.
2: Yeah, Paul had left at that point. It's not <laughs> S Club 7 anymore, it's just S Club. And yeah, they did a film called Seeing Double, which I've never actually seen properly. I think by the time that came out, I was a little bit too old for that sort mm. of thing um so by the time I reach that point on the podcast I'll be watching that film for the first time <laughs> which I've seen bits of on ITV2 over the years but mm. uh yeah it's a bit there's like a story yeah, which the TV series is not like at all. But the film is randomly a sort of sci-fi adventure.
1: The TV shows basically was it just to promote all their songs, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. Because I was a little TV bit series. old for S Club but yeah, when they the came along. The series, I was...
2: um, Miami 7, came out before they'd released any music. So that was mm. the whole point of it, really. It was like, we're going to introduce all the children of Britain to this band. <laughs> via a CBeebies show not CBeebies CBBC um and it worked because the first album was a massive hit and mm-hmm. then it was kind of like a tv series to coincide with a new album release mm-hmm. every year they were worked very hard that's why they kind of ended the band in the end because they were just knackered like it was mm-hmm. four or five years doing like a tv show and an album every year <laughs>
1: I just remember there was a the really awkward interview that they did on Liquid News with Claudia Winkleman yeah. just before they split up, or around the time they split up, where you could clearly see that they were all very knackered by that point. And I think wanted to go on to do other things with sort of mixed results, really, I, I think is the is the best way to put it. Um, and
2: yeah, he asked them in the interview about... Um, money like is it Mm. true that you've all made hardly any money from the band and then a load of like pr people or whoever rush in and like take them out of the interview and claudia's like what
1: (laughs) Um, so, yeah, so I'm guessing both your podcasts are on the normal Apple, is it Apple podcasts and yeah, Spotify wherever, and all those?
2: Really, yeah, wherever you get your Where, podcasts.
1: Wherever you get your podcasts, let's say, yeah. And, and as we are as well here at the Custard TV podcast, um, on the site at the moment, as I said, Luke's written a very uh, good piece on uh, the American crime story story. A series so far, all three seasons of that. And we've also got a really sort of in depth article on Buffy the Vampire Slayer as, as well. Uh, Megan Highland has written that and it's sort of looking at that from sort of her development and her, you know, growing up watching it and, and her sort of takeaways from a recent rewatch as well. So that's very much worth a read. Hopefully we'll be back next week. I'm not sure how much there is to cover, but thanks very much, Sophie, for, for joining me today.
2: Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me.
1: And we'll speak to you again soon on on the Custard TV podcast. Goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.
0: Selling your car to Carbana is as easy as... As
1: easy as pie?
0: Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or bin. As
1: easy as a stroll in the park.